Well, hey everybody, Zach here. I am excited to be with you as we continue our Faith That Works series where we're studying through the book of James. Uh, this series is five weeks long. We are in week four uh, right now. We're gonna be on chapter four today. Next week is week five, where we're going to wrap up the series. And I want to tell you a little bit about next week before we uh, return to chapter four and what we're looking at this week. Chapter five in the book of James is all about prayer and prayer that works. And if you've been tracking with our church, you know that in this coronavirus season, we are trying to press in in prayer. I believe that God is raising up a praying church in this hour. And so we've been gathering to pray online. We did a sermon series on prayer. And as we're coming to this James 5 chapter, talking about prayers that are powerful and effective, prayers that work, I believe that we don't need more teaching on prayer uh, right now for our church. I believe we need more practice. I believe we need more praying, less talking about prayer and more doing prayer. And so next week, rather than having a normal kind of uh, service, we are going to have a prayer experience. And you can participate in that in one of two ways. Next week, we're going to learn by doing. Uh, option number one is we're going to be gathering on our parking lot uh, next Sunday morning in a socially distanced way to gather whoever would want to come together to pray and to worship. We want to bring the people of God together to contend for breakthrough in prayer, to pray prayers that are powerful and effective. Uh, that'll be next Sunday, August 9th at 10 a.m. on our parking lot. It may be warm with the sun, and I believe it's going to be hot with the Holy Spirit. So I would love to see you there if that's a, a place that you feel like uh, you're at with all this coronavirus stuff. Now, I know that for uh, many of us in our church, you're saying, I'm not ready to do something like that. I'm not ready to regather in that way. Well, good news, we're also going to be having a prayer service online next Sunday. So on August the 9th, you can participate either online via an online prayer service that you can find more out about that on our website, or you can come up to the church building and in a socially distanced way, we can worship and pray. So that's next Sunday, August the 9th. Uh, connected to that on August the 22nd, I'd love for you to circle that date on your calendar and put a little note. That's a Saturday morning. We're going to be bringing whoever wants to together to serve our neighbors. And we're going to have a back-to-school service project on our parking lot where we're going to be assembling school supplies for kids from Forerunner mentoring our partner ministry. We want to support them as they head back into school. And we're going to be preparing gift baskets for teachers and teachers in our church for your co-teachers. We want to get behind you guys because we know uh, that right now is a very stressful time as you're trying to navigate the online or in-person or what it's going to be like. And we just want you to know as your church family, we have your back. We're praying for you. We love you. And we want to show you that in a tangible way. And we want to do that for your coworkers as well. So on August the 22nd, we're going to be assembling those gift bags. We're going to be assembling the school supplies to give out. And we'd love for whoever wants to, to participate in that. Again, more info on that will be on our website and in the newsletter. But if right now, if you're like, hey, I just, I'd like to do that. I want to make sure that I'm on the list to learn more about that. I'd encourage you to text back to school to the number 97,000. That's back to school, one word, back to school, the number 97,000. 
and that will add you to the info list of how we're going to go about this back to school service project. Okay, now let's turn to James chapter four. The title of this series is Faith That Works. Uh, but if we're honest and we're being honest with one another today, sometimes it does not feel like our faith works. So what do you do when it feels like, well, it actually seems like my faith doesn't work. We all go through situations like that. We all go through seasons like that in our lives. You might be there right now where that's really what you are uh, feeling and experiencing and in James chapter four, James takes us into uh, some situations in all of our lives when it can feel like our faith doesn't work. And he gives us a few tools to help us uh, grow in those times and to experience the faith that works, that Jesus wants to uh, work in all of our lives. Now, last week I went out to my garage to turn my sprinkler system on. Uh, it's hot, so I needed to water the grass, and I go to the box and start to put in the deal to start the system, and it doesn't work. It doesn't come on. I try and fiddle with it a little bit. I try and figure out what's going on. My sprinkler box is old. Uh, there's some wires that are, you know, worn. Uh, so it's not surprising that it's not working, but I was frustrated that it wasn't working. So as I dug in, I, I kind of identified the problem after watching some YouTube videos. I figured out what was the breakdown. I called a few friends to kind of give me advice. I watched a few more YouTube videos. I ended up going to Home Depot, buying a few things to try and fix it. In the end, it was broken. And it's frustrating when things that we count on that we feel like we need don't work when we need them. And sometimes it can feel like our faith is like that sprinkler system, that it doesn't work when we really need it. And James hits on some of those things here in chapter four that we're going to read together. Starting in verse one, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within? You desire, but don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So James goes in here and he identifies uh, a number of common situations that I bet we can all uh, relate to of times and places in our lives where it doesn't feel like our faith works. He identifies uh, what causes fights and quarrels among you times where we're having relational strife, when we're fighting and quarreling, maybe with our spouse, maybe with our boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe with our siblings. Maybe you're sitting there right now and you're on the couch with your brother or your sister and y'all have kind of been going back and forth at each other. Maybe it's with friends, maybe it's with coworkers. Uh, these quarrels and these fights, I find are one of the times when there's relational discord when it can feel like our faith is ineffective. Why, if I have this faith, are we having these fights with one another? Why are we at odds with one another? These type of fights are painful. He identifies another situation, times where we want something that we don't have, times that we desire something and it doesn't seem like that is going to happen. Right? Maybe that's a deal with your job or a deal with your school where you really are wanting something to happen, but it's not happening. We want, but we don't have. 
It can feel like our faith doesn't work. It's like, God, this is frustrating. Are you not up there? Are you not paying attention? Why won't you help me? Uh, Another situation where it can feel like our faith doesn't work is through comparison and envy, which James talks about here in this text. When we see someone who we look at and we see what they have and we start to get jealous and we're like, man, why do they get to do that? Why do they get to have that? I really want that. Why don't I have that? And it can feel in those moments like God is not there, that our faith is not working. These are common situations. Last one that he mentions is when we pray and nothing happens. When you pray and it's like, it feels like my prayers are just going up to a concrete wall and there's no breakthrough that's coming. All of these are such common situations that all of us go through where it feels like our faith doesn't work. But what you'll notice here in the text is James gives us a few tools to uh, diagnose the problem and then even to resolve the problem so that we can experience and walk in that strong faith, that faith that Jesus wants us to have, that spiritual strength of a faith that works. And uh, these aren't the only tools But these are important tools to have in our tool belt when it feels like our faith is not working. Back to my sprinkler system, I ended up having to buy a new box and I watched a few more YouTube videos and was able to install it, which is a minor miracle. I felt very proud of myself Uh, and I needed a few tools to do that, right? I needed a few tools to make it happen. James gives us a few tools when it feels like our faith doesn't work to resolve the issue, to diagnose it and resolve it. In verse one, when he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And that's an interesting idea that when we are at odds with someone else, that James is saying sometimes the reason for that quarreling or that fighting is not the other person, it's not God, but it's something going on inside of us, these desires. And he goes into list several desires related to selfish ambition, pride, and envy. And those desires within us can lead us to the fruit of those can be fighting with other people, relational discord. It's like what Jesus said when he was talking about this same issue. And he said, hey, when you're in a fight, when you're in a place of quarreling, It's so easy to focus on the other person and what they're doing wrong. But Jesus said, I want you to focus on removing the plank in your own eye before you try and work on the speck in your neighbor's eye. And what that means is it's not that it's always your fault. That's not what it's saying. But it's saying sometimes there are issues going on in our lives that we need to deal with, desires that we have that are ungodly desires these desires that are waging war within us that we need to deal with before we can even address the other person that we are in conflict with. And he lists those. You desire, but you don't have that greed. You compare yourself with other people. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. Those desires wage war within us. And he's saying, rather than focus on your circumstances, rather than focus on the person across the table or the situation that you're in, sometimes the tool that we need is to look within and to realize there may be desires that we knowingly or unknowingly operating off of 
that are ungodly that James wants us to see so that we can let the Lord heal us and deliver us from those things that lead to relational strife and discord, selfish ambition and envy. He says those can be the root of these situations when it doesn't feel like your faith is working, whether that's you're comparing yourself to someone else and you're just getting upset or you're praying about something and it's not happening. He's saying sometimes it's because you're asking with wrong motive, right? You're asking based on selfishness and envy. I think you get the idea. He goes underneath the hood to diagnose the problem. And then he goes on in verse four. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that God jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he, being God, gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So James says when we're operating off of greed, when we're operating off of selfish ambition, when we're operating off of jealousy, he's saying that when we're living that way, it's like we're being adulterous against the Lord. We're not being faithful to our relationship with him. We're making ourselves a friend of the world, of worldly operating systems, rather than being a friend of God. But he gives us a way out. He gives us a way to find the healing and the breakthrough that we need so that we can see breakthrough in the situations around us. He said, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And here, James highlights that humility and having a humble heart is the way that God has given to us to remove the envy, to remove the pride, to remove the selfish ambition as we embrace humility. And as we embrace humility, it will lead to many times, not all the time, but many times, the resolution of relational conflict. It will lead to breakthrough in our situation. It will lead to greater joy because we're not comparing ourselves over there, but we're letting ourselves be thankful for what God has given to us. He says, humility is the way when your faith is not working. Humility is the pathway forward. So that's an awesome idea, but you might be asking, because I asked myself the same question, well, how do I practice humility? What do I do to grow in humility? Because I think we all can struggle. We all can be prideful at times, right? And humility is something that we learn. So how do we learn it? How do we go there? James gives us three areas, three practical things we can do to walk in humility, to humble ourselves before the Lord, which positions us for God's favor on our lives or gives to us a faith that works. Number one is repentance. In uh, verse seven, he says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So James says when we confess our sin and we repent, when we acknowledge, God, I have been selfish. I have had envy. I've been motivated by selfish 
ambition. I repent, Lord. I submit to you. I humble myself to you. When we do that to the Lord, and when we do that to one another, where we humble ourselves to one another, and we repent of our sin, it releases fresh grace because it brings humility into our lives. Parents, I want to encourage you to leave lasting memories in your kids' lives of you repenting to them when you make a mistake, when you blow it. Marriages, I want to encourage you, husbands to wives, wives to husbands. Let's be people who are marked by repentance and humility. These are not things to avoid or to pull back from, but they're places to press in because when we press in to repentance and confession and submitting ourselves to the Lord, the Bible promises that in those situations that God will lift us up, that God will make things right, that God will take care of us. Repentance. The second area is in our speech. Now, we talked about this last week, but James goes in on our speech again. He says, brothers and sisters, don't slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So second way that we grow in humility, that we walk in humility, is by watching our speech and watching, are we judging other people? Are we sitting in judgment of them in ways that are inappropriate, that don't leave place for God to be the ultimate judge. And so he said, watch your speech, because if we'll control our speech, if we'll control the way that we communicate to others, it will lead to greater humility in our life because we're acknowledging that God is the judge, we're not. That God is the lawgiver, we're not. Then he gives us the third uh, way, the third pathway to humility. This one could just have the title 2020 over it. It says this in verse 13, he says, Now listen, when you say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So what is he saying here? He's saying that it's so easy for us to show pride in the way that we plan by saying, oh, here's what I'm going to do, and here's what I'm going to do, and here's what I'm going to do, and that assumes so much. Now, this is a big lesson we've learned this year. How many of our plans have been brought to a halt and I believe the Lord is trying to teach us like you are operating in pride when you're making all these plans and driving all these things forward apart from what James says to do, acknowledging our need for the Lord, acknowledging God's leadership in our life, sitting in the place of saying, if the Lord wills, this will happen. And that doesn't mean that we need to just go around saying, if it's God's will, we'll do this and do that, although that might be a good thing. It's the attitude of saying, 
I'm dependent on the Lord and my plans are dependent on the Lord and what he wants and what he's going to bring about. And so there's this active humility in our planning. We walk in humility, the pathway to humility in our repentance, in our speech, and in our planning and the way we're making plans. And if we'll take those three practical things, they'll help us to grow in humility. As we grow in humility, we'll experience more and more of God's grace and favor on our lives. And we'll have the sense of confidence that God is going to take care of us in the midst of whatever situation we might be facing. I love you, church. I want to encourage you this week to take this passage, to meditate on it as a part of our reading plan, and to put these things into practice that we could walk in humility and experience a faith that works.